Good morning, church. <laughs> it's good to be here. So this term, we have been, our preaching team has been preaching um, through topics that they have chosen themselves. Now, you would think that being given free range with what to preach on would make things easier. Well, for me, not so much. I'd rather be given some direction and then just get going from there. But instead, I find myself sitting around, racking my brain, trying to decide what I need to say. This time was different. This time, I felt like I was sort of hesitant to preach on the topic that I had in mind because it's something that I probably struggle with most myself. I found myself avoiding writing this sermon because I was scared about being open about something that was actually currently on my heart. But God just kept coming back at me with it. And I even had a dream about it. And I woke up in the middle of the night and wrote down what I needed to say. So this morning, I'm going to speak into a topic that we, even as a church, find ourselves in. I'm talking about waiting. So before I start, if you just bow your heads with me. Dear God, I believe that you've given me this message to speak today. I pray that you will speak through me and that these words will be yours. Calm my nerves and, um, yeah, I pray that we will learn something from you today. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs> so I've never been very good at waiting. I like things to happen exactly when they're scheduled to happen. I like knowing what to expect and when to expect it. So when I'm left in the dark and I'm not sure when I'm going to have an answer, it's not a fun time for me. My dad, however, he would have to be the most patient man I have ever known. I remember many times as a kid having to wait for my mum to return from whatever she was doing. And often it would be me and my dad sitting in the car waiting for her. And for some reason, my mum didn't feel the same need to be on time for things like I did. But anyway, um, yeah, she would often leave us waiting in the car for what felt like hours on end. And I remember getting so restless in the car waiting for her that I'd pester dad. I'd be like, where is she? What could she possibly be doing for this long? When is she coming back? And dad would just calmly respond, don't worry. She'll come back. And so I'd sit and try to be patient. And then like two minutes later, I couldn't take it anymore. I'm like, Dad, can you call her? These days, my dad is still just as patient, but now he's patient with me. <laughs> Often we'll go to the shops and we'll sort of split off and do our own thing. And he'll just say, oh, meet you in the car when you're finished. And me being the on-time sort of person that I am, I'll be like, okay, what time? He's like, oh, just whatever, when you're ready. And this incredibly patient man will just sit in the car for as long as he needs to. And what gets me every time is that he doesn't ever wait until I get back to the car and then greet me with, oh, you took your time, didn't you? Or, yeah gets impatient and calls me to find out where I am or when I'm coming back. He just sits and plays solitaire on his phone and listens to music. And 
he just lets me do whatever I need to do. And my dad has taught me a lot about waiting. Unfortunately, I still don't think that I've learnt the art of patience like he has. But maybe that comes with years and years of practice of shopaholic females like myself. <laughs> but I'm definitely trying to learn this art of waiting. Now, the Bible is full of stories of people who waited. Sarah waited to have a child. Moses waited in the desert for 40 years. Esther waited 12 months of beauty treatments before she could even see the king. That's kind of crazy. But the story of waiting that I want to talk to you guys about today is the story of Elijah. Elijah was a prophet. So as you can imagine, he spoke to God quite a bit. But just like anyone else who has ever talked to God, he had times where he waited for God to answer. Now, to give you some context, Elijah shows up in Canaan um, during the reign of King Ahab. Now, Ahab is married to a woman named Jezebel. You've probably heard the name before. Not known for good things. Jezebel, along with a large contingent of pagan priests and prophets, spread her native religion in, the, in a sanctuary for Baal. And so this was in the city of Samaria. And this meant that the Israelites accepted Baal as well as God and sort of put him on the same level. And so all of her policies gradually contaminated the religion of God and stripped the Israelites of their faith. And so God sends Elijah to do something about it. And the first thing that he does is send a drought. So Elijah comes and he declares that there's going to be a, a drought. So if you will turn with me to 1 Kings 17 verse 1, um, there's some white Bibles under the chairs um, and it's page 239 in those white Bibles. Now I'm going to be jumping around a little bit, so just bear with me, but I'll have it up on the screen too. So when I jump from verses, you'll be able to see it. So we're at 1 Kings 17 verse 1. And here is the first time we see Elijah. He goes to Ahab and he tells him, As surely as the Lord, the God of Israel lives, the God I serve, there will be no dew or rain during the next few years until I give the word. Then the Lord said to Elijah, Go to the east and hide by the Kareth brook near where it enters the Jordan River. Drink from the brook and eat what the ravens bring you, for I have commanded them to bring you food. So Elijah did as the Lord told him and camped beside the Kareth brook east of the Jordan. The ravens brought him bread and meat each morning and evening, and he drank from the brook. But after a while, the brook dried up and there was no rainfall anywhere in the land. So as you can imagine, Elijah is probably getting a little impatient himself. He's stuck in the desert with only the scraps the birds are bringing him. And the water in the brook eventually dries up too. He's waiting for God to give him the word that he's going to send rain again. So what's often the first thing we do when we're in a season of waiting? Usually we might ask God for answers. Elijah did the same thing. Later in chapter 18, Elijah's praying for rain. And in verse 41, he says to Ahab, go and, get some, go and get something to eat and drink, for I hear a mighty rainstorm is coming. 
So he does a sneaky, like, hey, look at that. And then he actually runs off and goes to pray. And so Ahab went to eat and drink, but Elijah climbed to the top of Mount Carmel and bowed low to the ground and prayed with his face between his knees. So we see here that Elijah humbled himself before his God and asked him to finally come through for him. But what you'll notice about his prayer is that he actually aligned himself with God's will and then he prayed for that. So earlier in verse 1, God had said, Go and present yourself to King Ahab. Tell him that I will soon send rain. So Elijah, he was praying for the fulfillment of God's stated will. So this is, this is exactly what Jesus taught his followers to pray some 1,000 years later in the New Testament. In Matthew 6 verse 9, 9 and 10, it says, Pray like this, Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So when we're waiting for things, how do we align ourselves with God's will? Read the scriptures. God laid out, laid out his will all throughout the Bible. And when our prayers are aligned with, with his will, we're only praying for him to fulfill his own desires too. So it makes sense that he would want to fulfill that for us. Now, I've been reading a book at the moment. It's called Finding My Life for God's Will. It's by Mike Donahue, and it's a bit of a play on words on the old finding God's will for my life. And it talks about sort of flipping that idea on its head and how when we align ourselves with God, we actually find that God's will becomes our will. And he talks about how sometimes God gives us a little bit of the picture and then just asks us to take that first step and trust that he'll then show us the next step from there. But he points out that God doesn't give us all the pieces all at once because he wants to teach us to trust. He wants to teach us to seek and to spend time waiting in his presence. And he writes, Uncertainty precedes faith, and doubt must take hold before we can exude trust. Let's just let that sink in for a sec. If we have no doubt, are we actually trusting? Isn't faith without doubt just certainty? He goes on to say, Trust is what grows in our hearts when we, have, when we give our doubts over to the love of God. And then he also goes on to say, this book is about how I stopped blackmailing God into giving me his secret plan and started letting him change my secret plans. So in order for us to align ourselves with God's will, we first need to trust. So Elijah has just asked God for rain. He's, got, he's asked God to act. And now what? Well, Elijah doesn't just sit there and twiddle his thumbs. He calls to his servant. Now, keep in mind, this dude is really old at the moment, so he's not doing the running himself. In verse 43, he said to his servant, Go and look out toward the sea. The servant went and looked, then returned to Elijah and said, I didn't see anything. Seven times Elijah told him to go and look. What do we learn here? 
Elijah was expectant. We then need to be expectant and watchful. When we're waiting for something, we can be confident that God will act, but sometimes we can't be sure when he will act. Elijah was persistent. He sent his servant back seven times to check for clouds. We can't just ask God to act and then walk away when it doesn't happen straight away. Jesus talks again in Matthew about effective prayer. In Matthew 7, verse 7 and 8, it says, Keep on asking, and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. And everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. Now, don't get me wrong. This doesn't mean that God is like some genie that's going to grant all your wishes. Remember, we still need to align ourselves with God's will. But it's saying that when we're persistent and expectant, God will provide. In 1 Kings um, 18, verse 44 to 45, it says, Finally, the seventh time, his servant told him, I saw a little cloud about the size of a man's hand rising from the sea. Then Elijah shouted, Hurry to Ahab and tell him, Climb in your chariot and go back home. If you don't hurry, the rain will stop you. And soon the sky was black with clouds. A heavy wind brought a terrific rainstorm and Ahab left quickly for Jezreel. Now, this next part is my favourite part of the story. Elijah's just sent his servant off in the chariot to go tell the king. And then in verse 46, it says, Then the Lord gave special strength to Elijah. He tucked in his cloak into his belt and ran ahead of Ahab's chariot all the way to the entrance of Jezreel. Now, I love this imagery. Imagine this old dude jumping up, pulling up his cloak so that his legs are free and then tucking it into his belt and just running faster than a chariot all the way back to the palace. Now, this may shock you, but I'm not much of a runner. (laughs) So if I suddenly got the strength to run all the way down a mountain and back to the palace, beating a chariot, you best believe I'd know it was God. Now, I don't know much about Elijah's physical capabilities, but we do know that he had been starving up there, like he'd been fed by the ravens. And we do know that after this story, Elijah then passes on his ministry to Elisha. So we can sort of assume that he's quite old at this point. So we also know that Jezreel was 30 kilometres from Mount Carmel. So I think it's safe to say that he probably got quite a surprise with his new personal best. Now, what does this mean for us? When the time comes for God to fulfill his promises to us, you can be sure that he's going to equip you. You can be sure that he's going to give you everything you need to be ready. You know, that's often something that can hold us back. We ask God to help us with something, but the reality is we're actually hesitant of asking for it because we don't think we can actually handle it. Like, that was totally me in my last year of college. 
I was praying for a job or even just a sense of direction. But at the same time, I was absolutely terrified of the thought of actually being in ministry. I was scared that I wasn't ready. I wasn't equipped. But you know what? That time of waiting and questioning and doubting, that was what actually equipped me and helped me for the reality that I now find myself in. Sometimes we, we're waiting for God to answer us and we expect the way that he's going to speak. We think, okay, God, I'm going to lay out my fleece here and if you can answer me in this specific way, I'll know that it's you and I'll go down that road. I'm sure a lot of us know from experience that this doesn't usually work out too well. Sometimes God doesn't speak to us in the way that we expect or even ask him to. We start to hear all these different voices. Our heart speaks. Our mind objects. Regret screams. Our bodies groan. And amidst it all, the spirit just whispers. Elijah experienced the same thing. Later, after the rain comes, Elijah flees to Mount Sinai and he waits to hear from God. Now, keep in mind, Elijah's just seen some pretty crazy miracles. God sent fire and rain, and so he's probably expecting God to show up in a similar way. And the wind picks up and tears the, the rocks loose, but God was not in the wind. An earthquake comes and shakes the ground that he stood on, but God was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire, and I imagine Elijah th probably thought, oh, good, this is, this is it. I'm ready. But God was not in the fire. The Bible says in 1 Kings 19 verse 12, and after the fire, there was a sound of a gentle whisper. Elijah knew that this was God and he covered his face with his cloak. Almost every time that I'm in a season of waiting, I find myself in confusion. I keep trying to hear God and I often I try to understand what he's doing and I find myself just even more confused. And there's been times where I felt so strongly that God was telling me what to do, but at the same time I was so confused about it. But what I've learned is that God is not in the confusion if you're still confused about it, it's probably not from God. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14 verse 33, For God is not a God of disorder, but of peace. God did not speak to Elijah in the wind or the earthquake or the fire. He spoke to Elijah in the still, small voice. Our God is a God of peace. And when we feel that peace... We can know that it is God. It is then that we can hear that still, small voice. God speaks in the whisper. He's not in the confusion. Now, I read a story about a trapeze artist, and they really explained this idea really well. They said that there's a very special relationship between the flyer, who's the one who lets go, and the catcher, who's the one who catches. And as you might imagine, 
This relationship is important, especially for the flyer. As the flyer swings high above the crowd on the trapeze, the moment comes where he must let go and he arcs out into the air and his job is to remain as still as possible and to wait for the strong hands of the catcher to pluck him out of the air. Now the trapeze artist said, everyone applauds me because when I do leaps and backflips, they think I'm the hero. But the real hero is the catcher. When I come down from the triple somersault, all I have to do is stretch out my hands and trust that he'll be there to pull me back up. The flyer must never catch the, the catcher. The flyer must wait in absolute trust. The catcher will catch him, but he must wait. Waiting is a period of learning. The longer we wait, the more we hear about him from whom, for whom we are waiting. Waiting is not a waste of time. It is a time when God is working behind the scenes. And the primary focus of his work is on us. I love Eugene um, Peterson's paraphrase of Romans 8 verse 24. It says, Waiting does not diminish us any more than waiting diminishes a pregnant mother. We are enlarged during the waiting. During our time of waiting, God was creating his life within us. And we must wait for it to come to full term. The place where many of us get into trouble is when we try to get ahead of God. We wait and nothing seems to happen and so we panic and we try to work things out on our own and we start trying to catch God instead of waiting for him to catch us. Waiting is an art and timing is everything. Waiting is that time in our lives where we set other things aside so that we can listen for God's voice in the stillness. Now, I know that we're all in a season of waiting. We're waiting to find out who our new senior pastor will be. I'm waiting to find out who this person is and what my new mentor will be like. But this time is not a waste. God is using it to build us as a church. I know that this community has been through a wait like this before and it may not be the last, but what is God teaching us through this? Is this an opportunity for us to be reminded that a pastor is not the head of our church? Jesus is. Is this an opportunity for us to step up, to serve and to lead? Is this an opportunity for God to equip us to be the church, even when we're not in this building? Is this an opportunity for us to step back, to stop listening to all the voices telling us who we should be and how our programs should be and start listening to that still, small voice telling us who we are? I'm sure a lot of us are waiting for things in our lives too. Maybe you're waiting for a job. Maybe you're waiting for direction and purpose or you're waiting to find the right person to be in relationship. Or maybe you're just waiting for God to answer something that you've been struggling with. 
I want to encourage you that no matter what your what part of that waiting journey you're at, seek God with all your heart. Keep knocking. Keep asking. Learn to be closer to Him in order to align yourself with His will so that we know that we're asking the right questions of Him. Then be expectant. Trust that He is going to act. And in that time of waiting, don't see it as a waste of time. Know that God is equipping you and teaching you everything you need for the time when He does finally choose to act. And finally, listen for that still, small voice. Wait for the peace that He promises. Bow your heads with me and we'll pray. Dear God, I just want to thank you that you are always with us during these seasons of waiting. God, I know that sometimes you don't show us the whole picture, but I thank you that you use this time to equip us, to grow us, to teach us. And so God, no matter where we're at, no matter what we're waiting for, I pray that you will continue to just give us that peace that you promise. Help us to seek you and help us to listen for your still small voice. We thank you and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen.